Hi everyone, this is Nautical Knowledge and Nonsense. In this interview, I got to sit down with an old friend of mine who's also an Australian surfer dude from down under, Christian Denham. He's an old friend and incredible character. Christian and I get caught up and have a very candid conversation about surfing, big waves, sharks, and psychedelic drugs. Also, Christian worked at the nightclub in Bali that was the site of the worst terrorist attack in Australian history and is very open about his perspective there. I hope you enjoy this really great interview with an old surfer friend of mine named Christian Denham. Yeah, I, oh man, how's life? Oh, fucking fantastic, man. Like, shit, so much is going on at the moment. It's great. Yeah? Yeah. It's bloody crazy, actually. We've uh, we've just bought like 300 acres of lush rainforest land out at uh, Kyogle, about two hours inland from the Gold Coast. Holy crap. That's awesome. And, um, yeah, so, so beautiful. Um, so we've gone in with a with a couple of families and stuff like that. So it's going to be an MO, multiple occupancy at, at the end of the day. Um, we'll be able to have festivals there. It's going to be crazy. It's good. <laughs> Living in van still, bloody heavily invested in crypto. Crypto's just about to explode. So <laughs> I'm going to be a fucking full-fledged millionaire soon. There we so. go. Oh, it's it's so crazy. I had I had a captain who told me about crypto like right at the beginning. This is like I, I don't know what year it would have been. It would have been God, probably ten years ago or something. Like insane. Just and had I listened to him, uh, I would yeah, I'd be a millionaire, a hundred percent. Had I invested just still, the, not, still not too late. <laughs> well, I got a, I got a little bit. I got a little bit. Actually, my um, my thing. People can pay me in Bitcoin. So. If they want, perfect. yeah, for the podcast. Anyway, yeah, perfect. Well, shoot. Uh, so I guess this podcast is about nautical stuff. <laughs> so let's go. I'm Yeah. Um, so I, I love. Well, I, I guess you know, folks, folks know. You know, should know. We we met in Japan, all that. But um, do you, you actually know my my lineage, don't you? What? What do you mean? You know, you know who John Hawkins is. Uh, refresh my memory, please. You know who Sir Francis Drake is, obviously. Of course, yes. His first mate. What? You you my are great great grandfather. No freaking way. Are you serious? Great great grandfather. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and so they 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 were they were full pirates. So so John Hawkins was actually the guy that that uh, redesigned the English Armada, and so the Golden Hind, which was the boat that that they sailed on. Yeah. It's actually my granddad's granddad, great granddad's uh, design, and that's still in London, right next to the London Bridge. What? That's yeah. Incredible. So he re- he redesigned the whole armada, and then uh, then he turned into a pirate. And uh, you know some of the stories, you know they they took the um the uh the castle at Bogota um with the rowboat, him Sir Francis Drake and two other people took the whole laid siege to the castle and took it, and then uh. <laughs> surrender it because they didn't realize that they didn't have enough supplies it was just a, a fantasy like bold move <laughs> <laughs> they probably got treasure buried all over the south americas 100 <laughs> my great grandfather so we can make this nautical as nautical as 
Uh, you already have. That's incredible. That's so cool. So wait, what brought your family to Australia then? Besides piracy and God. Install a piece of bread or something. <laughs> that's, that's always the story. Convicts, mate. All right. All right. We'll leave your family history out of it. That's 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 amazing history. Though. That's really cool. What do you mean? You, wouldn't you want to put that family history in if it's all about like nautical stuff? And oh, of course, of that. course. No, no, I meant for the stolen bread. That's not as uh, not as exciting as piracy. Well, you know, yeah, that's true. We'll leave that part out. Yeah, all right, done. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, obviously, you had to come by boat to Australia. There's no way around that. So, what well, in your true. life? In your life, what and now aside from surfing, which I definitely want to talk a whole bunch about surfing. Um, but have you, you know, in your travels and stuff, have you traveled much by boat? Have you done diving? Have you done any things like, you know, adventures like that? Heaps of scuba diving, like lots of, lots of ocean based activity in my life for sure, man. Like, um, uh, only a few, few ferries here and there. Um, Japan to China was probably the biggest ferry ride that I've ever been on. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, not not a not a hell of a lot of travel by boat, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But um, but definitely lots of like little little scenarios with boats involved. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Where where all have you surfed in the world? Ah, uh, man, Indo. Five years of my life surfing Indo all around Australia, Vanuatu, uh, Fiji, New Zealand, America. Oh, where in America? Hawaii, uh, San Diego, and um, down around that way. Wow. Southern California. Um, where else have I bloody surfed? Raging in Japan. Oh, so. All throughout. Is Japan crazy because of the concrete on the the beach? Like. <laughs> no, nah, it's it's crazy because the currents are cold. Okay. Yeah. I had a spring suit on, and and it was I think February. And uh, I remember surfing and, and all the Japanese just like – I could hear them going up. It's like bucket guys. <laughs> 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 it's like, what? It's like, yeah, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just cold. <laughs> if, I, if I had seen an iceberg float past me, I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> They're all in their hoods, their booties, gloves, all the things. That's so funny. It's so crazy to think too. Like, I mean, they're fishermen. They're out there, pretty exposed too to a lot of that wind and weather. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Yeah, but, yeah. But I mean, mainly, mainly Indo and Australia for surfing all yeah. around Australia. Yeah. I remember you telling because you were in Bali, right? That's primarily where you were. Yeah, I was organizing parties in the club that was bombed over there. Yeah. Are you, are you okay talking about that? Yeah, 100%. So, I'm an open book, mate. Whatever. Pardon? <laughs> what? I'm, a, I'm an open book, mate. Whatever. <laughs> so nothing to hide. <clears throat> you want the deep dirty about drugs and whatever. <laughs> whatever. Burning Man, whatever. All right. I, 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 I have no idea what people would be interested in. I know what I'm interested in. I mean – so, so for folks listening, that that so you were in Bali during basically that that was the biggest terrorist attack on Australia ever for Australians, right? I actually worked in the nightclub that was bombed 
for about uh, probably about four years, five years of my life. Um, and we left, uh, we actually left three weeks before the bombing, but we put our trip a month before, like uh, we moved the whole trip and that's when we moved to Japan. So that's when we came to Japan. Okay. So if we hadn't have put the trip forward three weeks, I would have definitely been there. Like a hundred percent Saturday night, uh, prime time, 10 o'clock, you know, like, yeah, there's, there's, there's very, very little chance that I wouldn't have been at the club and knowing me too, I'm one of those really inquisitive people. So they, they, they did it. They did a full doozy on the, on the whole process. Um, I think they, uh, they set off a bomb cause it's like a one way street, like straight out front of the club and, you know, the, the typical tourist road one way, you know, restaurants up and down you know shops and you know all the all the all the touristy things and uh they set off a small bomb in the car about a couple of hundred meters up the road and um and so that would have gone off and me being the person i am i would have been out front going what's going on down there yeah. you know like a hundred hundred percent and so i think that's actually probably what why there was a lot of casualties, uh, to be honest, because a lot of people would have piled out of the clubs because there was also the Sari Club across the road. Uh, so we, I worked in paddies. Well, I was actually organising parties, but we were just selling tickets for those parties in, in the in the paddies nightclub. And there was a couple of other smaller bars, but they Sari Club and paddies were the two major ones. So I'm sure there would have been a massive spill out of people and that's where the big, bomb was right in between those two and uh and you know it was yeah it was it was a a big bomb from what what i've seen it it was a it was a really really big bomb and so that's why there were so many catastrophes yeah and i would have definitely been out front so i wouldn't be here today if if we didn't move that trip forward pretty sure that's incredible yeah it's incredible to think about Really sad. We 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 went back the year, uh, the next year uh, when we were like from Japan. We just did a trip down to Bali, and and it was like a ghost town, you know. Like because Australia is is one of you know, I think I think Bali's are uh, Australia's Cancun, or you know, like you know, for, so for Americans, you guys usually go down to Mexico or Cancun or something like that. You know, yeah. we go to Bali for, and so it's got that kind of vibe, and and so. There was hardly any Australians going the next year, and you could have you could have shot a gun down the main street and not even hit anyone. You know, the businesses were really affected. You know, like the the amount of appreciation that every Balinese person would literally just like, oh, thank you for coming back to Bali. Thank you. And it's like, of course I've come back to Bali. This is like you know second home to me. You know, this is I love love this place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. I mean, it sucks. It sucks that you. Yeah, you obviously lost a lot, and they lost a lot, and just no good. Yeah, I mean, well, well, look, you know, we don't know what the greater evils are on this planet, and it's you know, it's nothing to be sorry about. It just is, you know, like you can't, you know, there's so many things that are that are out of our control that we just can't control, 
you know, as much as we'd like to. It's yeah. like, you know, deep down, you know, everyone's a really good person, but yet there's just so much, so much bad stuff that happens on the planet. And it's like, I, I don't get it. I personally don't get it. You know, like, it could be just living the most magical existence, <laughs> you know, like literally, you know, we know. are, we are in heaven if we choose to be it to be that, you know, like, I don't know. I, I sometimes feel there's like the ten percent where it's just like just let let the nice people do our thing and you guys go off and be on some island or something where you know just don't just leave the rest of us alone. <laughs> like like I just want the world to be a happy place. That's it. You know, share stories, share a good time, drinks. That's it. It's easy. Yep, I'm in. <laughs> so you were in Bali. I I mean I remember you telling me that. They had Bali had the perfect wave. Like like you go to other places and you might get. But, but tell me about the waves in Bali. Oh, look, look, Bali is is uh, is a classic place. It's probably you know the surfing mecca on the planet, a hundred percent. Because you get six months of trade winds that go one direction, you know, like east to west in the in the off season, and then in the you know in the other season they they go west to west, you know, like so that means that. You know, with a pretty much no no landmass between there and Antarctica, you know, like you've just got massive Indian Ocean swells that can hit the whole archipelago, and uh, and then they're hitting it at the bottom, so they're wrapping in on each side of the island. So then you're getting these just perfect conditions and of you know six months of winds going one direction, creating offshore waves for six months and then on the other side of the island for the for the other you know the other season you know like so and you know perfect reef breaks so they they don't change shape they just it's like a, it's just a wave machine the the whole place <clears throat> hundreds and hundreds and well, thousands thousands of, of combinations of of uh you know like different headlands and and islands and island shapes and you know, yeah, it's just it's a mecca. It's unbelievable. So because because there's so many different areas there that you can surf, was it like was it not as packed as it probably should have been? Well, I mean, you get you you get your um, your classic uh, tourist spots. You know, like Bali would would be way more like uh, you know crowded than you know somewhere like you know in in. Sumba or you know Sambala or you know or one of the outer reach you know like um, you know some some of the Mentawi Islands or you know it, all over the archipelago there's all these like hidden gems yeah. so you know so depending on on your thirst for adventure and exploration would really sort of dictate you know what the crowds are doing you know like so if you mainstreams you've only got one week of the year well you'll be in Bali and you know that can get pretty jam-packed with people because it's a you know it's a big tourist destination but somewhere like southern southern like Zimbabwe Zimbabwe or something you know there's hardly any people that that go there so you might be sharing a whole area with maybe 20 or 30 other surfers you know like so you're paddling out of places going, geez, I wish I was sharing this with a couple of people, but ah, <laughs> here by myself, cranking. <laughs> so what, what got you into surfing? What got me into surfing? Yeah. Um, yep. It's an interesting question. 
Well, when I was at school, we lived right across the beach. So I lived on the Gold Coast in a place called Main Beach, or I like to uh, nickname it at the moment, Vane Beach, because it's like a real ritzy sort of part of part of the Gold Coast. <laughs> Good old Vane Beach. Um, so I grew up right across the road, and um, I think it was just, just peers, you know, like just that was the thing to do. Or, you know, like, well, that's what my – the friends that I sort of befriended with at the, you know, in that stage of my life, which I was probably, oh, I don't know, about eight, seven or eight years old, or maybe eight, nine. So that's what, 35 years ago. Wow. Or something. No. Yeah, 35 years ago. Um, so, yeah, so it's just, just, I think, the classic, you know, your friends are doing it. Oh, I might get a surfboard and, you know, and learn, you know, like learn, learn the sport, give it a go. Still remember the first, the, the first, uh, like hook, I like to call it that hook. It's kind of like, I suppose I could, you know, I could imagine what someone who's addicted to sort of, you know, some hard drugs would feel, you know, like with that first hook, you know, like they're addicted for life because I can still remember that that one wave where it was just like, and it was early morning, sun was rising, picked a small wave, it was only about two foot, really glassy, there was a few clouds in the sky and uh, just paddling for this wave, stood up and just skimmed across this like the face and it was, you know, it was a nice green face. It was uh, maybe five, six seconds, eight seconds long, and then and then that's it. Surfer for life, like done. You know, <laughs> totally addicted. Hundred <laughs> percent, totally addicted. Uh, so yeah, so that was uh that was the hook, that one wave, and then from then it's just just you know just something that's always there. It's great. Yeah. That's so cool. That's amazing. What's what's Best sport in the world? No, I, I've I've always I wish I wish I could surf. I I just I tried it, I tried it a bunch. I think I, I can't remember. Did I try it with you in Japan? I can't remember. I, I definitely sure. tried it in Japan because I distinctly remember my my moment was just like the wave. I could I mean just feeling the power of the wave in that board and me trying to stand and then suddenly. All I saw was brown water going past my face, the you know, like, like from behind. I was just like, "What am I doing here? This is insane!" Uh, and I think I just got smashed into the the sand. But uh, yeah, and I went out again. Don't get me wrong, but uh, boy, I've I've tried and tried and just I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's not one of those ones that you you can pick up really essentially quickly. You know, like yeah. I always tell people when they're learning, three to six months. Twice a day, every day, no matter what the conditions are, just mm-hmm. get out there. And because and, uh, I, I mean, surfing, what 90% of it isn't actually riding a wave. Mm-hmm. So, so when you consider that and factor that in, you know, like once you start getting more comfortable out in the ocean, and that's a, and that really does take a, a little bit of, um, you know, obviously times are just sort of, you know, be able to read the waves and, you know, do all that sort of stuff, then you then you're in a much classic better position to to be able to participate more yeah. in the actual standing up and sliding across a wave. 
<laughs> well, the thing – so I had always spent a lot of time in the ocean as a kid. So I was pretty good at, at reading the waves and kind of getting that feel for like, oh, this is the one I need to go under versus this is the one that I could catch. I was, I was pretty good at that. My heart – I did have to learn how to dive under them. That was a – that was fun. That was cool. Once that started working, I'm like, oh, this is amazing, <laughs> you know. But the – yeah, just the – Ah, the balance and the standing and the being quick about it. And, you know, maybe I was on waves that were probably a little too big for <laughs> somebody who's just starting out. So that could yeah, also be silly. It's like, can you go to the black, black diamond, double black diamond run first? Oh, right? oh yeah. What could, what could go wrong? <laughs> so maybe I should have been on those green runs for the, for the waves, but. But yeah, it was cool. I just remember thinking like, especially I love bobbing out there out in the swells and just thinking, I, I get it. Like, like, and actually I didn't get it cause I never had your experience, which like you said, that made you a surfer for life. But for me, just being out in the swells and like, kind of like, this is cool. Like, this is just so relaxing. Like, I get it. I get uh, why people would just spend all day really, out here, you know? It really is. And and that's the other part of it. You know, I'm, I'm so hypermania that like my brain never shuts off, but it really, <laughs> it can surfing, you know, like I can really switch off. And the moment that you, the moment that you're like, right, this, you know, this wave, I'm going to own, well, or it's going to own me, you know, there's, there's, it just, nothing goes through your brain anymore. It's just like this, yeah, this real meditative, amazing, like, yeah, it's, oh, it's great, so good, graceful, beautiful, yeah. Have you, have you ever, have you ever surfed at night? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple of times. Uh, I think the I think the the funniest one for me was uh, was uh, on in Byron Bay. So just um, south of Byron Bay is uh, is a headland called Broken Head, and there's this beautiful like uh, beach, seven mile beach. Um, and back in the day, we used to frequent it, and it was a great place to you know camp up up in the sand dunes and you know have a little fire. Anyway, I met these um, – there was these, like, hippies from, you know, the, the local area that were staying there at the same time. And they're, they're like, oh, you, well, you can camp with us, blah, blah, blah. So we did. They ended up um, having these, like, this beautiful magic mushroom stew. <laughs> and uh, and so anyway, so we proceeded to, to uh, like, have this stew. And then, then it was, like, turned out to be a full moon that night. And it was just, like, incredible. So we're on this beach and I was like, man, that's light enough to go surfing. Let's go surfing. So me and these two other hippies just paddled out 100% like totally tripping balls off this mushroom experience. And like you can just the colours in the water and the, the shimmering of the light. It was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And I remember remember actually trying to catch a wave. Didn't didn't really do too well. And I just coordination was out. But, uh, but I was just like just being out there and um, – like, oh, it was so incredible, you know, like just that whole process of being out there surfing. You know, looking back at it, it was absolutely bonkers, you know, like because, you know, it's the east coast of Australia and so that, like the, that's where the continental shelf, like, of Australia and the whole continent, like, hits Byron Bay there and it's like literally only 300 metres out to hugely deep water. So it's a huge, like, shark alley for, you know, the, the great point, you know, the white point is, uh, forever present like that's one of our 
classic areas in Australia where a lot of shark attacks happen around Byron and also yeah. um, Western Australia down Margaret River and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, so middle of the night, full moon, probably not the smartest <laughs> idea, but <laughs> <laughs> leaps through it. <laughs> Gold. <laughs> That's wild. But yeah, there's been other instances where we've where we've gone out for night surfs. Um, it's uh, it full moon's really good if you you know sort of as it just sort of peaks across the horizon, you can actually really see the waves coming in. Um, so so you can actually like get a decent sort of grasp of of the of the surf. Which coast? Like which way? If you're on the beach facing the waves, which which way are you? you what direction are you facing? East. At that point, well, yeah, 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 east coast. So, so you got a you got a moon rising in the east, and then that that allows yep. you to really see the this like the silhouette of the waves or the. Well, yeah, you can. Yeah, that's right. You can just sort of you can sort of see where the like where the the shimmer and the you know the reflection of the of the wave you know will go darker because it will cause a shadow underneath it. Obviously, as the slow okay. lines come in, you know, like and uh, so yeah, so it, it just it just emphasizes the the shape of the wave and so you can you've got a much uh much better view of of seeing them at night you know in that in that scenario whereas if it's like directly above you you can't really see it it it's it loses its contrast or something <laughs> so then obviously if it's the west coast like if you're on the west coast then you you want the moon to be setting okay you know like you know maybe 20 30 degrees above the horizon would be perfect you know, kind of, yeah, that kind of angle of interesting. life. That's so interesting. Huh. <laughs> That's a cool. great story. Uh, so what what kind of wildlife have you seen out in the waters that you've been in? I, I, oh, okay. So I remember I remember going to Australia, and I was I was snorkeling, and they put you in, like, this this suit so that all the little jellyfish don't, like, like sting you too badly, you know? And then, and then I said yeah, – so, yeah, so I, so you look like a, a giant condom basically, I mean, it's a, you know, and so you're going through the yep. water. But I remember asking the the guide, I was like, so do you have like a like a, a pamphlet or something that kind of says what I can touch and what I can't touch? And the guy's just like, oh mate, this is Australia, you don't touch anything. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, because I'm used, to, you know, west coast of California. I mean, you, you can basically touch anything you want. Nothing's gonna, you know, unless you're an idiot and just put your hand through an urchin or something. Like nothing's gonna hurt you at all. Nothing's poisonous. Nothing, nothing. Literally nothing. I, I was always shocked. You know, even the sharks are. You know, I saw one shark once in like after seeing thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of sharks. One, I think it was a Mako shark that probably could have taken a small chunk out of me, but that was it. And that was off of San Clemente, which was the military island. So they're kind of famous for sharks and, and Navy SEALs, of course. But, uh, but yeah, 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 even the Navy SEALs are like, you can read, you know, you read, they, they talk about their training and stuff. And they're like, yeah, I was fine. Except being out there at night with the sharks, like, <laughs> you know, they, they, they get nervous. These guys that are trained to do crazy stuff okay. and they still just something about sharks freaks people out. It's really, it's, oh yeah. It's amazing. They're, they're big. Well, they're huge. Yeah. Really some big. of them, some of them. <laughs> they're really, really, really big. <laughs> and, uh, and they see you flapping around and they're like, Oh, this could be a nice little morsel to, to, uh, have a munch on and, and try to eat. Yeah. No, nah, mate, I've seen everything. I've seen I've seen sharks. I've seen 
hundreds of dolphins. I've seen like manta rays, stingrays, turtles. Yeah, it, you name it. You know, like I've seen it in the water, hundred percent. Now you've never been attacked by a shark, right? No, no, I've never been attacked. Um, probably, probably my my classic uh, funniest story in, in regards to a shark. Well, actually. One one just popped up. It's paddling across the seaway. So on the Gold Coast, we've got this uh, little surf break on on South Stradbroke Island. So you got to paddle across like a, a seaway, mm-hmm. a channel. And uh, and anyway, so you know, I've done this so many times in my life. And um, so you know, it's about maybe five minutes, ten minutes max if you if you're not the best paddler to get across. Um, lots of boats, lots of traffic go through, lots of trawlers. Um, I've had a, I had a shark come up out of the blue underneath me, straight up towards me and like turn around. It, like I c- could have literally touched it on the nose oh, wow. and it turned around and I was in the middle of that channel. And that was, I think that was the fastest I've ever paddled that channel in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss the rocks on the other side. I'm like, God, thank you. Um, but, uh, but in Western Australia up there, up, um, up near Nalu. And Ningaloo Reef, which is like a real beautiful uh, reef system up on the western western side of Australia, and it's like really remote, untouched. But there's this um beautiful wave up there called Red Bluff, and uh, it's like oh my god, it's it's like Indo in regards to one of the most mechanical waves that you'll ever see. It's this beautiful left hander. It gets you know the same swells that Indo gets, so it really and it can hold a a really big swell. Anyway, I was up there with a with a crew of people, and there was these two brothers that weren't surfers, but they were fishermen. So they brought their little little you know tinny up. With, I don't know if you know what a tinny is, but in Australia, that's like a little you know aluminium boat. That's why we call it a tinny. Okay. Like, it's like a tin kind of thing. Um, so anyway, so we 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 are out fishing about a kilometre off off the coast, and you know this is this is prime like marine life out there. And we've got the humpback whales, um, you know, literally, you know, migrating up the coast. So we were like trying to position ourselves in front of the humpback whales, so you know we could watch them come past. So anyway, they're they're fishing, and this this one of the brothers, he's like, "Yeah, I've got a, I've got a fish, mate. It's great." I was like, "Oh, sick!" And he's like fighting this thing, like wheeling it in for I don't know twenty minutes, and he was battling and battling it. He's like, oh, I've got a good one. This is, this is, she's, she's going to be big. And sure enough, anyway, he gets it close to the boat. It's <laughs> like this five foot shark that he's caught. <laughs> and then he's like, then he's like, oh shit, what am I going to do now? It's like, what do you mean? And his brother's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, we're going to have to bring the shark, shark in the boat. <laughs> I'm looking at him with my, like, literally jaw <laughs> hitting the floor of the boat, watching these two brothers argue about bringing this shark in the boat and he's like the brother's going no mate you can't bring that shark in the boat there's like three of us in this boat it's like 11 feet long and you want to bring a five foot shark in this boat with us like not gonna happen he's like yeah but my best tackle's on the in that shark's mouth he's like well just chuck your hand in there and grab it so they're having this argument back and forth it was so comical and uh and I don't know about like a minute after that, this shark's just done this like whack and just like just totally snapped the line, and you know this huge splash just happened because he was like right on the surface, 
And and we were just like, holy shit, what like what what's what's happened here? And about I don't I don't know, probably fifteen seconds after that, this shadow came up under the boat and I was I was looking over one side of the boat, looking down, and I was just like, whole like oh my god, this is this this thing was like Jaws's mother. <laughs> it was huge. It was absolutely bonkers huge. I probably I don't know, twelve meters, thirteen, fourteen meters long. Holy and it was crap. it was like wider than a than a uh, like a combi in size. It was just absolutely mammoth like this thing. And I, I was like, oh my God. And the brother's like, start that fucking motor. And so he's like, he's starting the motor. And literally we drove the whole way to the beach and he didn't even stop. We just like slid up the beach. Like he's just like, hold on. Like, man, that thing was huge. Like, we, you know, if he wanted, if he wanted, if he wanted to have a have a play with our boat, we would have been we would have been dead, wow. like for sure. And it was met, met, needless to say, surfing the bluff after that experience for the next like week was not fun at all. Knowing that that thing was somewhere out in that ocean. <laughs> it's so crazy. I mean, you, yeah, yeah. When you've been in the water enough, you, you kind of understand why sailors would. With, I mean, how easy it is to get, you know, the your just imagination starts going and, and it's like, and it, it, this is with all the science we know, this is with all the knowledge we have. And we're still like, those things turn into monsters so fast. I mean, you could, it's so, be so easy to just be like, oh, there's, there's so much bigger stuff out there. You have no idea. You know, <laughs> it's, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. I mean, I mean, the, the, one of the biggest sharks ever caught in history was a, uh, was by an Australian called. Vic Hislop, and that was caught caught on uh, in Morton Bay, uh, which is just off Brisbane here on the east coast of Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when I was young, like you know, this would have been you know when that first Jaws movie got released. He um, proceeded to he got had this semi trailer and it was a refrigerated semi trailer, and he took that thing around Australia in the semi trailer, and you know, so it, it had a hook on the on the nose to open it up. And he parked a combi in, inside the semi-trailer as well, in front of it. <laughs> you could literally drive that combi in that shark's mouth. Like, it, the, the, oh my god, it was you know, it's mammoth. And I think it's I think it's actually um, up in Harvey Bay. Actually, there's a museum up there, shark museum up in Harvey Bay, which is a it, which is a little bit further north than Brisbane, uh, where Fraser Island is, the biggest sand island in the world, and it's a, a huge. Uh, humpback whale migratory uh, sort of place, you know, where they go and give birth in the uh, in the season. Um, and yeah, I think that I think it's actually still up there, like refrigerated. So you know, the things things probably stinky by now. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be stinky. It's a lot of dull. <laughs> probably epoxied the whole lot or something. <laughs> Here, here's a question, Christian. So with surf, in in your experience. In your experience with surfers and surfing and that that whole culture, because you've been all around the world, is there like I was about to ask you, I was about to say, oh, what's the biggest wave you've ever been on? But then I was like, you know what? Is that even something that surfers care about? Like, is that a is that a thing or where uh, or, or, you know what I'm kind of uh, saying? Like, oh, I'm on a 20 footer, or is it is it less about that and more about just the experience? Uh, 
Oh, look, look, you know, um, I mean, there's there's heaps of people in the world that love a good dick swinging competition, you know. Like at the end of the day, there's just there's a ton of people that love a good dick swinging competition. Um, I mean, obviously, there's physics involved. Like, like you, you certain at a certain wave height, you actually physically cannot achieve the speed to catch it. That's why they use they they use uh, uh, what do they call them? Freaking skidoo's or what? What do they call in America? Um, jet skis, jet skis, and stuff, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, and and yeah, you are right. You know, and uh, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know, uh, hardcore surfers that just chase the chase the the big waves. You know, mm-hmm. like they're going to Chopo in Tahiti, and you know that thing's a monster. I don't know if you've ever seen footage of it. No, what's it called? Going to Chopo. Chopo. So like, yeah, it's spelt like T C H. E-A-U or something, P-O or something. But if you just look up, you know, uh, Tahiti and and, uh, and killer waves or something, you'll you'll see video footage. And, like, man, the dudes that surf these things, like, oh, my God, like, you, you'll see a wave and it'll be, like, huge, like 30 metres. And, and, like, literally three-quarters of the wave will be water. You know, like in the lip, like it's just these slabs that hit the reef, and and I often wonder myself, you know, if there wasn't video cameras, would these people be surfing it? Because, <laughs> like, it's uh, you know, it's it's a it's a tough dedication to go from, you know, surfing a classic six foot, you know, epic, like right hander that just peels like beautifully that you can just play with, you know, like for forever, you know, to this you know, having to strap your balls in and then, like, paddle onto these waves that are just, like, you know, full. You're just running on adrenaline. You Like, there's nothing else to it. It's just, yeah. you know, you, you, you're literally at the mercy of, of, the, of the ocean, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're in these environments. Like, it's crazy watching you. Did I ever tell – you know, I probably never told you this because um, obviously I got into tall ships after we met. But I, you know, Cortez Banks, right? Which is a pretty famous yep. big wave. So I touched the bottom of yep. Cortez Banks because um, when it's when you know there was no swell coming in, it's not a big deal. But we we were out there on one of the tall ships I was on on the Tolly Moor, and we basically you know like middle of nowhere. I mean, you can't see land, and and we went snorkeling with the kids, and I you know looked down and like oh there's there's the there's a little hump and you know kind of thing. I, I went down and touched it. It was so cool, like to be in the middle of the ocean and touch the bottom. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah it was about sixteen feet, so maybe I think it was sixteen, which is like five meters, something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but but they they said you know descriptions I've read is like it's like a giant wave. You you couldn't have a better giant wave machine. You know with the right swell and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's outside of San Clemente, so like like kind of like you said, like when you got nothing to interrupt the swell, if you get the right swell, it, it, you know it could be legendary. Which which this was like the fishermen would describe this giant wave. Out on Cortez, Cortez Banks, and eventually the surfers discovered it, you know, from that. So it's from fishermen's descriptions, and just like <laughs> it's just crazy. You see it on the chart. You see the shallow area that just pops up out of the middle of nowhere. It's really cool. Yeah, man. Wow, it's so good though. You know, like it, yeah, it's it's crazy that it's crazy what 
people's or the human race has been with fascination of uh, of waves and surfing. You know, like it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. But I don't know if the, I don't know if people would do it without cameras. Well, no, they probably would because there is a there is a certain buzz. You know, like when you when you've tackled a huge wave, and uh, you know there is a there is definitely because it is it's just a full adrenaline rush. You know, like. It's yeah. like that hook, but but on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder. I mean, my my very 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 limited experience surfing. Like you just, I just felt. And first of all, you can feel the whole. You just feel it, right? You feel the wave. You feel the energy there, and and you're just at the. You know, you're not quite at. Well, you're at the whim of it. I mean, you really are. Like you're either riding it or you're not. It's not like you're controlling it, right? Like the that never enters the equation. You you can't control a wave. So you're either no, no, you, Yeah. Yeah. So you're either going with yeah. the flow or the flow's going over you. It's one of those two. And like I feel like being out at sea, you know, for me that's kind of like like some stuff does bother me in life. It really does. But like out on the ocean, just for whatever reason, I don't know, the swells, like like, like none of it bothered me at all. And it I I just was kind of like, yeah, well, I'm pretty small here. Like there's not, you know, it's on some level like you can only prepare so much and then what are you going to do? Like, that's all you can do. Right. And so, so I kind of feel like, like I, that was my feeling out in big swells and stuff out at, uh, on the ocean. But, uh, but so I don't so, know. I don't know if it's similar analogy. or not, but it's a good analogy to take that in and, you know, overlap it into life. Cause there's so many things that we just can't control, you know, like, and you know, that's the beauty of life, you know, like is, 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 is being able to just let go of, of, of things and go, okay, well, it's not working out the way I want. It never does, like, like ever. So, <laughs> so you know, rather than try and control everything and, and have this, you know, like symbiosis that's just clunky, just let go and just sort of, you know, trust that the universe has you back and go with the flow 100%. You know, like it's the only way to do it. Just for folks listening, just so you know, you got – Christian here. Who, where where are you right now? Uh we're in. Uh, well, we're out sort of west of the Gold Coast, which is uh, the east coast of Australia, basically. Yeah. So Christian. So folks, obviously, you can't see it, but he's he's in a sun hat with like a, a necklace and you know, like some Earth style necklace, and he's got basically nothing on, as far as I can tell. And he's in like you know lovely UV riddled australia so when he's when he says he's going with the flow and stuff like he's he's a man of he's he's one of those guys that does you know does the talk and does the walk with it you know what i mean <laughs> well to to elaborate on that so so i've been living in a van for seven years and uh <laughs> and uh my home uh the engine seized about three four weeks ago and and like it's going to be a good $12,000 to fit to, you know, sort out the engine. So we'll do that at the end of the year. So like me and my partner are literally homeless at the moment. Oh man. Uh, and it's, and it's just, it's epic. You know, like we've got, we're, we're, we're fine. We've got, we've got heaps of money. We've got all the comforts. We've got great community. We've got all the things and we're just like totally smiling about life and, and, you know, there's not really, there's not really anything to worry about. So, you know, we're just trusting the process. No, we'll, we'll know that we'll get another van and, and the right one will show up. So we're not having to 
try and force everything. So we literally are just going with the flow. And, uh, you know, next week we'll fly down to Melbourne. We've got another job down there, which is good because Melbourne's got, a, you know, a lot more uh, cheaper cheaper vans um, like we've been sort of looking at on the internet. And, and that's exactly it. You know, you're right. It's just going with the flow. So, you know. I think also too, you know, like I've done a lot of different plant medicine journeys in my time as well and and I think I've just got an innate relationship with, you know, with the universe, you know, from from medicines. So, well, you know, there's a, there's a huge trust that comes from, from exploring, you know, this, this uh, realm in, with different sort of filters on, mm-hmm. I suppose. Well, I, I had never given that too much thought until relatively recently. So I'm actually, uh, I'm, 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 I'm definitely curious. I just have no idea where to find some of this stuff. You know, it's not, it hasn't been part of my world ever. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely open to, uh, yeah, I just, I think it's having kids and just realizing, I don't even know what it is. It's, um, yeah, I just, I just worry, like, like I just turned 44, like yesterday, basically, or two days ago. And, and it's like, what if, what if I get to be age 60 something or 70 something and then try something and realize, oh fuck, I should have done that like five decades ago, you know? So part of me is just like, you know what, this, the stuff isn't addictive. Like the logical German brain in me is like, to my knowledge, it's not addictive. It doesn't true, like if, if it does rewire you, it does it in a positive way, it seems, you know, and I just, yeah. And I just got on the contrary, not only is it not addictive, but it actually is, is uh, one of the medicines that, uh, like ayahuasca and uh, a boga, uh, the two problem a boga being more prominent, is one of the classic medicines to cure addictions. Hmm. I think a, a boga has a 97% success rate of curing heroin addicts of their addictions. Jeez, that's incredible. That's it. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And it's not like they get addicted to this, the new substance. It's not like that, or oh, it's it's no. it's not addictive. You do, you don't have ayahuasca and a bo- like especially yeah. a boga. You don't have a boga for fun. Like that's like twenty four hours of of like strap yourself in. You know, like <laughs> it's like you're going for a ride. <laughs> ayahuasca can be. Uh, can be pleasurable, but uh, but it's it is you know it's a it's a journey medicine. It's not it's not something that you just go oh yeah great Saturday night let's all hang out and have an ayahuasca journey. You know like <laughs> no <laughs> no, it's, no way <laughs> pretty serious. Okay wow yeah it is serious you know like and it, it but it's incredible like I, some of the stories that I've heard it, you know if you want to go down this route like I can share some stories that I've heard and, and I can share some ex- stories about, you know, my experience in those journeys. But um, Why not? I mean, I'm sure uh, there's a way to tie this into nautical stuff. <laughs> like, shoot, I mean, sailors are out there. They were getting hallucinating if they had, you know, too much time out yeah, at well, sea, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, th- I suppose it's just more It's just more about, you know, we're, you know, talking about the life force of, of existence, right? So ayahuasca is a, uh, is a brew of, of DMT. Uh, so DMT is the the chemical uh, the abbreviation of the chemical dimethyltryptamine. So dimethyltryptamine is uh, is a um, is basically uh, they call it the God's molecule. Uh, it is in every single thing that supports life on our planet. 
So every tree, every blade of grass, every person, every animal, every everything, you know, carrots or your apples, they all have DMT in it. Um, so what DMT is, is we produce it naturally in our brain. Um, it's produced every night that you have dreams. So every time that you're dreaming, your brain is producing dimethyltryptamine. And so that's uh, giving you the, the dreamlike experiences and these visions that, that happen while you're sleeping. So uh, when every time you yawn, your brain is actually releasing DMT in, in the back of your brain there. That's where, the, uh, that's where it gets released in the back of the brain, uh, like, in, like in the sort of above the spine, uh, onto the left and right. Uh, so when you're yawning, and, and so synonymously, you know, like we, uh, you know, we, we classically say, oh, you're tired when you yawn. No, it's not actually the case. It's a, that's a misconception. You're actually producing dimethyltryptamine, so you're producing a psychedelic nature of the universe. Mm. Usually it means that you're seeing something that's uh, or hearing some information that's very important and it resonates with you and your brain is actually producing the chemical to help you remember it and ingrain that knowledge into, into your being. <laughs> so, um, I'm fighting so the urge to yawn right now, just so you know. <laughs> 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 so um so so D, dimethyltryptamine now inside your stomach uh we've got these natural inhibitors that actually uh uh they stop the dnt that when we consume it to actually absorb into your bloodstream so without these inhibitors literally every meal that you ate that literally you would be tripping balls from Hmm. So you know, so you go and have a have a carrot and munch a carrot, or you know, a, an apple, or you know, your spinach, or whatever. Uh, yeah, you'd actually be consuming DMT. So you'd be literally in an ayahuasca journey your whole existence without these natural inhibitors. So ayahuasca um, uh, is a sacred medicine that comes from the Amazon, and it actually means the vine and the leaf. So there's a certain vine in the Amazon that contain that actually has really high quantities of DMT in it, and then there's a, a certain leaf in the Amazon that uh, that stops the inhibitors from working in your stomach to allow the the vine and the DMT within the vine to actually absorb into the bloodstream. Interesting. Right? So this is what this is what ayahuasca actually is. So like. I mean, the knowledge, I mean, if you think of the Amazon, how many trees and plants and, and that, met, you know, are in that jungle and they've figured this out like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we'll just grab that tree and that leaf and that vine and see what happens, you know, like, and have, have these, you know, classic journeys, you know. It's like it's it's very crazy to think of, you know, how they discovered this, you know, like um, in South America and Central America too, all – all plants have um, have spirits attached to them. So ayahuasca and the vine of ayahuasca is actually uh, the mother, the spirit of the mother. So it's a very feminine energy in the in the um, in the medicine world. Uh, whereas the your cacti, so your mescaline is the is the grandfather energy in the um, in the psychedelic world. And so. When you go to meet mother, you know, like the the lessons and the that come from that are incredible, and and she's always there as 
too, you know, like, so you, you're never ever going to be shown something that you're not ready to, to be able to like handle or, uh, or witness, you know, like, and, you know, some of the stories like a, like a, a real beautiful story that we've heard, uh, from one of the shamans that facilitates my, my journeys was this, uh, woman that as a kid and uh, um, a young teenager, she, she was never hugged by her parents and never shown love. So she was in a very, like, she grew up in this very loveless, uh, you know, environment and, uh, and you know, was never really hugged and, and really found it hard to, you know, physically hug people and, and, you know, feel comfort in that. And so in her journey, Mum just, mother just basically wrapped her up in a hug for the whole journey, eight hours. And, you know, like when people hear that, they're like, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. That was not what happened to me. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like um, the, same, the same facilitator told me a story about, and this one, this one I find phenomenal in its nature. Um, she... Uh, her late husband passed away about, I, I think, a year beforehand or something or six months beforehand, and it was his third third marriage. And so he, he popped up in the journey um, while she was she was in, in the ayahuasca journey. And apparently, you know, because of the three marriages, he really didn't have a lot of faith and trust in, in, in women, <laughs> you know, probably like trying to rob him blind for half or whatever. <laughs> so... She, he said, get a pen and paper, and he gave her all these bank codes, and uh, there was like literally half a million dollars USD in all these banks. So all these like bank accounts and and the actual passcodes of all this money that he'd had had sort of smuggled into secret accounts, and so he 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 gave them to her in this in this thing, and so half a million dollars later, like so in the middle of the journey, right? And so this is where it's just it's phenomenal. In its nature, right? That, 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 you know, and even my experience, like my first AO journey, like I remember in at the start, and I don't know if it was the music, but I heard these words and it was like, and let the healing begin. And literally thousands upon thousands of hands just came out of like different dimensions and started doing things to my body, like drawing lasers on my body, lifting up my arms and dropping them, and then, you know, twisting them and stretching and like and uh, it was it was in, it was just it got to a point where it was like um especially when they were all around my solar plexus the hands like touching and prodding because i've got always had this thing in around my solar plexus where you know like my partner i struggle with my partner just resting their head on my chest or mm-hmm. even their hand or whatever i get real claustrophobic and i don't know what it is but anyway so they were prodding around there and I remember just starting to sort of just panic a little bit and I was like, oh, like, okay, you guys have just got to stop and every hand just stopped, like literally actually stopped. And then I was like, oh, okay, that's good. And I, and I remember just going, okay, like, all right, I know you, I know you guys are going to continue soon. Just <laughs> give me a few minutes to just – Get back into, you know, like just ground a bit, you know, because this is really uncomfortable. And, you know, so I was like, okay, whew, like, you know, just having a few deep breaths. And then I was like, okay, one more deep breath, you know. Then I was like, whew, and I was like, okay, 
you can go again. And as soon as I said go again, boom, the hands just started again, you know. Like, so it's just, you know, it, it's it's really interesting, the, the whole essence. You know, my last day of journey, I had my, my four grandparents show up in the journey and they were with me. And uh, and it was, it's just incredible, you know, like, and, and, it, and it, this, it, it's not, it's not something. It's not something that I doubt either. It's not something that I, I, I can. I actually know that it's that there's some there's something in this, hmm. and uh, and you know I think tapping into into the ninety nine percent of the information of the universe that we can't see, touch, feel, um, smell, or whatever, because there's a you know we can only see one percent of light, right? We can only hear one percent of the frequencies of, of the universe we can only you know probably smell one percent that's probably a good thing because some people are smelly bastards but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, but um you know there's so much to this this universe that that leads me to go well we need to you know these these are the things that we that can help us harness and see this i mean on, on a story that is in that is similar to ayahuasca. I was driving along in Byron, and uh, I just finished a job, and all of a sudden I just started bursting into tears, and I was just like, "Oh, what's going on here?" And I was like, "Oh no, my grandmother's passed away," and I knew, like without doubt, that my grandmother had just passed away, and she was with me in this car. So I pulled up, well, like about a kilometre down the road pulled out a goblet of my grandmother's and, and, you know, poured a glass of port there and raised it up to, you know, you know, just to go, wow, you know, like, you know, what a great life you had. She was 94 and, you know, I just drank this glass of port in celebration to her and then literally about 20 minutes later, you know, my mum rings me. She's like, Christian. And I'm like, I know, mum. She's like, what? I'm like, I know. She's like, what, what do you mean? I'm like, Bob's has passed away, right? She's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm, she's with me now. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I, I cannot explain it, you know, but I, I know that she's with me. And I'm like, you know, and to this day, it's like, like, how did we know? How did I know? You know, like, what what was it that... And, and with such you know, confidence what, to pull over to the side of the road, yeah. Now, you, you weren't actually tripping while you were driving your vehicle. No, no, no. Okay, okay, just checking. This is something you... <laughs> Yeah, no, but uh, but you know this is I think you know this is the remnants of of, of ayahuasca. You know the, this is the remnants of of psychedelics. This is the remnants of 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 these medicines. You know that that are uh, that have been ingrained into my life. You know, like and uh, and you know there's there's definitely something in them, and and that's without a doubt. I say this. You know, like I'm I'm so confident in in my um, in what I know here, that, that it's just there's just no doubt. Like there's no one that could that could tell me otherwise. You know, like I mean, how, how the hell did I know that that she passed away? You know, like there's so there's just more into the universe. And so you know, by understanding things like what DMT actually is and what these medicines actually are, and you know, it, it gives you the that understanding to go, oh well, of course, you know, DMT is going to help you. You know experience more on this plane of existence because it is the universe it is the god's molecule right here's an interesting thought i just thought of this uh just now 
But, you know, obviously in the United States, you know, we have the Native American tribes and, and you know, from what I understand, like, you know, they talk about, oh, when you when you eat an animal, you're eating its spirit and or you're taking its spirit and that kind of thing, you know. But, like, I wonder if there are people that that have less, uh, like you were saying, there's there's natural things in your body that hinder the DMT from, from getting into whatever you're eating into causing you to trip. I wonder if there are people that don't have that as much or if it's, if there's less of it. And so therefore they are more actually in tune with that part of the world. Like, like they could consume an animal and actually partly become that animal and get that spirit. You know, I I don't know. I I just thought of that just now. We've all got those like classic friends that are uh, the cosmic jesters of the universe that are always just like, oh, my God, life is so good. This is great. So probably they don't have any inhibitors at all. <laughs> it's a good thought. Uh, I don't know. Uh, just, just sometimes stuff just tumbles around my head. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, but, you know, the, you, you're probably right. You know, this is this is where all good, you know, all good theories can turn into, you know, something substantial. You know, that's how – well, there we go. If there's, if there's some geeky scientist out there that wants to test it, and I will happily volunteer for your uh, DMT experiment. Uh, <laughs> well, if you if you want to test that, find out who has more uh, susceptibility to it or not. I'm in. <laughs> well, well, Mexico for you is uh, is the good place to start because everything's legal down there. Yeah, now Mex- Mexico. I, well, I, I've been there a couple times, um, not for anything nefarious except swimming with whale sharks. That was awesome. So, oh, I'd love to do that. It's uh, it's pretty wild. It's pretty. It was incredible. Bahia de Los Angeles. I mean, there was nobody there. It was just us. And this is before, like, yeah. It's just I don't know. It was, it was really cool. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's always been on my hit list. I I I came that close to seeing a whale shark when I was diving. Um, where was I? I was in Thailand, maybe Koh Lipe. Yeah, I think it was Koh Lipe, which is an island off uh, on the border of Malaysia and Thailand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, it's sort of synonymous. Of sometimes whale sharks do show up at this place. And anyway, so there was one point of the dive where the dive masters looked at us and gone, which way do we go, right or left? I don't know which we all would decide to go left. And if we had have gone the other direction, we would have seen a whale shark. Because we came up, and the other the other dive, you know, the other dive crew were like, "Did you see the whale shark?" And I'm like, "No way! Let's get back in the water!" You're like, "No way!" I <laughs> believe it. I'm so gutted. So I came that close to seeing one of those things. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, well, we'll have to go down to Mexico together. You gotta check that out. It's and, and the people there are so awesome. The food's great. Like, just I don't know. My my experience was very, very, very positive. All right, Christian. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to talk about uh, nautical-wise, surfing-wise? I don't know. Drug-wise? <laughs> did you get? Did you, did you record about my grandfather? Oh, we've been recording this whole time. Yeah. Oh, the whole, whole way through. No, whole, right. well, the whole then, way through. Well, then, yeah. Yeah. There, there might be some stuff I cut out, but probably not that. That's a great – I love it. That's great. Those, I love those kind of stories. So. Good old, good old Sir Francis Drake. Yo, oh, yeah, a, definitely a, that. Yeah. I've got a um oh, it's like a little portraiture. So they cut out like the 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 profile, like when you're looking to the side and you right. cut out the profile. They used to do that back in, you know, the eleventh century or whenever it was, twelfth century, thirteenth <laughs> century. Um and that was it. That was how they'd make portraits. So we've actually got one from Mary who was uh 
John's mother. Yeah. At my house. It's like so weird that we've got stuff like that. You know, how, how did that get passed down to us? You know, that's so long ago. It's it's wonderful. It really is. Yeah. It's it's wonderful that that you keep it too. I mean, it's crazy. You know, in one of my one of my episodes, I talk about the you know the fact that we got a free hutch, like a china hutch, for free. That's worth hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. And then the people were like, "Hey, you know what? You're really excited about this hutch. Like, do you want our silver? Like, do you want the family silver?" We're like, "What, what are you talking about?" Like, yeah, the kids don't want it. The grandkids don't want it. Oh. Like, just just take it. And and so it was just insane. It's like it's it was his dad's silver. He was in the Navy, you know, so it's got U.S. Navy on it. And and it's like, I don't know how much it's worth. Probably thousands of dollars. And I polish it up. It looks gorgeous. It'll last hundreds of years or more. And it's just like people just gave up because the, they said like nobody wants it in the family. So people are giving up their heritage for free. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it is crazy. I don't and, get it. And it's good to give it to your kids too, you know, like. Yeah. Well, I mean, we want to, you know, we want to know the story behind it. So, so I got to talk to that guy again and get his, you know, a little bit more of his family history. But I guess it'll become our family history, hopefully. You know, hopefully our boys will appreciate it. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening to Christian, the surfer, Aussie. Uh, yeah, mate. Good night. Yep. Down he'll, he'll sell you anything. Yeah. <laughs> You want crypto? He's got crypto. You want you want ayahuasca? He'll hook you up. He's he's, he's just all around the, probably the best salesman I've ever come across in my whole life. I don't know about that. Well, you sell experiences then, and some of those experiences draw profit, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you so much for for chatting with you, Christian, and and you know have continue having fun surfing, and I hope uh, maybe no it's, maybe it's inspired a few people to go out and try something new. But uh, thanks, folks, for listening to the podcast. I'll uh, I'll just I'll leave I'll leave the whole episode with one one key factor and, and one of my favorite expressions in the world, which is uh, Japanese, and it's jinsei wa jibunde kiri hiraku monoda, and uh, translated that means life is all about the choices you make. So choose, choose what's good, choose what makes your soul sing, choose life, choose beauty, choose amazingness. Choose all the good things. Awesome. Well, I'm glad I chose you for this episode. <laughs> Thanks, Christian. <laughs> all right, folks, support us if you can. Buy my kids' book if you can. Take care. Wishing everybody out there fair winds in the falling sea. Bye.